I was reading um, some words in Acts 20 this week, and Paul the Apostle is saying that his, his aim, his goal, the thing that drives his life forward is to complete his race and to complete the ministry that Jesus the Lord gave to him. And it's really interesting how he describes that ministry which Christ gave him. He says, it is to testify to the good news, to the amazingly good news, do you remember, of the grace of God. That is the thing that mattered to Paul more than anything else. The the all-important truth, the astonishing truth that the living God, the one who made you, is full of grace. That the living God, the one who made you, is, is truly kind. That his heart towards you today, no matter what you're going through, no, no matter where you might have come from, his heart towards you today is one Let me tell you, because it tells us here, he tells us here in Psalm 103, his heart towards you is one of amazing, beautiful, tender compassion. And and Paul, throughout his whole life, was determined to, to communicate that God is kind, that his love is strong, that God is full of grace. And and David, the king of Israel, here in Psalm 103, is is determined to communicate that as well. In fact, David here is determined to sing about it, to sing about this grace of God, because this psalm is a song, isn't it? And as you you go through the psalm, there's a movement. It begins with, with very personal worship in verse 1. David says, bless this God, this God of grace. Bless this Lord, O my soul, and and absolutely everything that is within me, bless him. It begins with, with very heartfelt, personal Worship, And then it, it widens out, doesn't it, to, to God's family, his people, in verses 6 to 18. Sorry, the personal worship, that, that's verses 1 to 5. It, it widens out to God's covenant family in verses 6 to 18. And then to the worship of the entire cosmos, celebrating what the living God is truly Like It's a worship, we're told, in verse 19. That is a worship of the one whose kingdom rules over absolutely everything. And the psalm ends uh, with worship in all places of his dominion. And that is everywhere, because he reigns everywhere. We, we start with this very personal worship and it broadens out into a worship, a blessing of this Lord that's going to fill the entire cosmos. In fact, 
That's where everything is headed, isn't it? And the question for, for you and me this morning is, is are we, we going to join in with that song? With that song? So I've got three headings for you this morning. That, that won't feel unusual to you, I'm guessing. Um, but just so um, we, we can remember, and if you're taking notes, the, uh, the first heading is this, personal God, personal God, personal praise. Firstly, personal God, personal praise. I don't know about you, but I'm, uh, I'm not very good in the mornings. I'm not much of a morning person. I thought I might take a little bit of a vote. Who is, who is really a morning person? Who sort of, um, oh, oh, few there. Not actually that many. That's interesting. That encourages me a little bit. You know, there are, there are some mornings when I get up and I can only just as I come to sort of remember my own name um, let alone anything else. Maybe some of you have sort of shared that experience, you know, on those days where it's really hard to get out of bed. And David here at the beginning of the psalm, he's saying, you know, on, on Monday morning, every day of the week, the name that we really need to remember is his name. You know, bless the Lord, verse 2, Oh, my soul, and don't forget, don't forget him. Don't forget what he's like. Don't forget that he is the one, verse 3, who, who forgives, who does away with all of your guilt, with all of your iniquity. Remember him. You know, as you're... As you're getting out of bed tomorrow morning, and I don't know what you might be doing, whether you're just sort of going to go for a walk with a dog, or, or maybe uh, a week on Monday, you might be going into school or college, or perhaps you're going into work. And David says, you know, lift your gaze and remember what the living God is like, and remember what is heart for you and me, for you personally, actually is, because this is the one who from his heart forgives you all. Do you see that word there? All of your iniquity. And maybe, maybe you're feeling weighed down this morning. And God wants you to know here, as he speaks verse 3 to you, that it's not, it's not just one sort of part of your sin that he has dealt with. It's, it, it's not one part of um, your guilt that he has dealt with. But, but even that part that, that you know, the, the enemy would tell you sometimes, oh no, God's grace can't possibly reach in there. God's love can't possibly reach in there. He can't possibly deal with that. No, he says to you this morning, because of Jesus... If you look to him, if you look to Christ as your own saviour, then God removes all of your sin and casts it into the ocean. He forgives all of your iniquity. And you can know yourself 
as you sit there this morning, completely at peace with him. Bless, bless this one. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, the one who forgives all, each and every part of my iniquity. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The one who, who restores. He's the one who, who restores us um, body, soul, and spirit. He's the one who heals all your diseases in the sense that, that eventually each and every disease he's going to free you of. He's the one who, who redeems you from the pit, from death. He's your rescuer. And get this, he's the one who, who crowns you. He crowns you, verse 5, sorry, verse 4, with, with loving kindness. Um, the Bibles you have in front of you say. You might, you might translate that steadfast love. The Hebrew word is, is hesed. He, he crowns you with steadfast love and with this tender mercy, with this compassion. As you put your trust in Jesus the Lord this morning, that is God's heart towards you. He crowns you with steadfast, strong love and with the, with the most tender mercy and compassion. Let me ask you a question. If you are God, who do you, who do you crown? You know, he's the one, verse 19, who's established his throne in the heavens and whose kingdom rules over absolutely everything. Who do you crown if you are God? Well, you, you crown, don't you, a, a royal son or a royal daughter. Just as, he, just as he crowned David here and gave him his covenant promises, gave him this faithful love that David is singing about in verses 1 to 5. So, because you're in Christ, because you've put your faith in Jesus personally, you inherit those same promises. And God says to you this morning, I crown you. That's amazing, isn't it? You are, as, as you sit there, a, a royal son or daughter of the, the living God. He crowns you. And that's, that's sort of a weighty thing, isn't it? It, mean, it means that he, he values you. It means that he, he honours you as his as his royal child, as a member of the, the royal family. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, um, I grew up in Hull. And uh, that's quite a long way from where the royal family hang out. But if your faith is in Christ, you are a royal son and a royal daughter. And that crown is settled on you. You can't lose it. You know, when you see someone being crowned, it's a it's, it's sort of weighty thing, and, and this crown settles on their head, doesn't it? And in the same way, God himself, because you've put your faith in Christ, has said, I, I, I settle 
my strong, steadfast love and my compassion upon you. And it's a crown and a status that you cannot possibly lose. You can't, so to speak, step outside of God's love for you. He crowns you. You're in his love. So David says, you know, remember this. Remember this when you get out of bed tomorrow morning. Remember this as you're walking in the park. Remember this as you're sat working at your desk. You sometimes find it hard to grasp, don't we? But, but God values you that much that he calls you royal son or royal daughter and, and gives you the, the incredible honour of, of crowning you with a love that you cannot lose. You are secure in the love of Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You're allowed to talk to me as well, you know. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You are secure in the love of Christ as a royal son or daughter. That The love of God is, is amazing. Bless, bless this God, David says, with, with absolutely everything that you've got. Love him back with the with a kind of love that he has settled on you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless him for who he is. This is the God who, who wants to satisfy you, verse 5, with good. He values you. He honours you as his child. It's beautiful. Personal God who loves you in this personal way, and calls you to, to enter into personal praise in the way that we see David singing and praising in verses 1 to 5 here. Personal God, personal praise. And secondly, strong love. Strong, strong love. And this is verses 6 to 14. The love of God for you is is strong, it's unbreakable, it's steadfast, it's, it's unflinching in the face of difficulty or disappointment and he wants you to know that for sure this morning. He's making himself known to you, verse 7, through, through the whole of the Old Testament. He's making himself known to you through his word to you personally here in Psalm 103 and supremely He's making himself known to you in the person of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but as I, as I read the Gospels and, and I look at Jesus, I'm just so grateful for that truth that as I look at Jesus, he tells me that I'm seeing the Father. That if I know him, then I know God truly. That if I, if I know Jesus, if I see what he's like, then I know the Father. That's a wonderful thing. God has made himself known to us. And what, what do we see in the Gospels as we see Jesus um, relating to people of all different kinds, as we see him reaching out in deep compassion, as we see him drawing near 
to people that everyone else is sort of tempted to, to stay away from, we see this, this tenderness. We see this, this strong love, don't we? We see this compassion that nothing can quench. And as we see Jesus sort of drawing near, coming up close, to people who need his restoration, who need his forgiveness, who need his, his cleansing and his power. We see what it's like as God draws near to us with that same heart of, of strong love and, and deep compassion. John tells us at the beginning of his gospel that, that Jesus came full of grace, full of grace and truth, full of this, this strong love and this astonishing compassion. And so, verse 4, we know, because we see it in Jesus, we know that God is merciful and gracious. The Lord is, is merciful, compassionate, you could translate that, and gracious, slow to anger. The Hebrew there says that, um, that he, is, he is long of nose. That's an odd, odd phrase, isn't it? It would have made sense, um, I'm sure, to the Israelites. I guess we would say he's long of fuse, you know? He doesn't have a short fuse. God doesn't get triggered easily when we stumble and fall. He's not... Um, for us one day and against us another. His love is steadfast and strong. He's not unpredictable. He's constant. You can trust his promises. He's for you. He has, he has crowned you as a royal son or daughter with this strong, strong love that you can't, can't possibly step out of. You know? I don't know if I can quite put it this way, but the that the crown has super glue on it. It's not going to budge. You are, you are crowned. You are loved deeply with a deep, deep mercy and compassion that you, you can't possibly step out of. You know, just imagine yourself walking around through the week. That crown is there. God is for you no matter what you're going through, no matter what situation you find yourself in. If you're trusting Jesus, you're in him, you are crowned. And this is God's attitude towards you. He's patient, he's kind, he's gracious, he's, he's abounding, he's overflowing. I think the translation that you have there says he's, he's overflowing in mercy, which is completely true. The, the Hebrew says that he's, he's overflowing in hesed in this, this strong, covenant, loyal love that he's crowned you with. This, this love that he has for you that we're going to learn in verse 17 is actually from everlasting to everlasting. It's from before the foundation of the world, before you were even formed in your mother's womb into eternity. And he's determined and has Settle that love upon you, and he's going to bring you home. You can rely on him. He is for you. 
He's overflowing in his grace and his strong love. And that is his settled attitude towards you and me. Doesn't that mean you can breathe this morning? Doesn't that mean you can breathe when you're lying there at night awake and something is really sort of niggling away? Actually, I'm one because I'm trusting in Jesus who lives in the love of God and his love flows out towards you and me constantly in Christ. He loves you. He loves you because he loves you. And you can relax in that. You can be at peace in it. You can breathe there. Fear can be stilled there. He lays his hand on you. He, he loves you. You are his. And if you're, if you're listen, listening this morning and you're thinking, um, actually, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. To have the the maker of the universe on my side in that way. To learn that he's this personal God, Father, Son and Spirit, who, who wants to know me personally, up close. Can I just invite you to, to step into that love this morning, maybe for the first time. Maybe it's never quite clicked before, but, but this morning you know that God is, is opening his embrace to you and you hear Christ saying to you, come to me, trust me. Can I just say from personal experience, when you respond to that word from him and you put your life in his hands, he brings you in. He crowns you as royal brother or sister. He makes you part of the family. I think sometimes it, it takes a while, doesn't it, to, to really grasp grace. You know, we, um, we read about it on the pages of Scripture, but to, to really find it work deep into our hearts, that, can, that takes a work of the Holy Spirit and it can take time. I was, um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine by Zoom, wouldn't have said that 25 years ago, or even maybe five years ago, the other day, and we were just chatting normally, and uh, suddenly he started to, to open up to me, and he talked about a time when he was working abroad, his, his family are there, and um, quite unexpectedly, he became really seriously ill. And uh, he, was, he was starting to uh, really open up to me, and, and I was, um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised, and I was just, I was just listening, uh, surprised because he was just speaking so, so openly. It was, a, it was a lovely thing. And uh, he, he was, he was describing how, I better not walk too far this way. He was, uh, he was describing how powerless he felt. This is uh, a, a, a chap who'd grown up as a Christian. Knows he's a Christian, um, put, his, put his faith in Christ um, lots of years before this happened. And, you know, he, he was pretty much immobilized. Um, he couldn't function, he, he couldn't work. 
and he couldn't rely anymore on some of the stuff that he had been relying on, he was explaining to me. And as a result, he, he felt pretty angry and um, helpless, powerless, and his relationships are starting to, to get affected. He, he, he said to me, Clive, I didn't even really recognize myself. I certainly didn't like myself anymore. Um, you know, sort of at rock bottom. And um, as, he was, as he was telling me um, about this, this time in his life, um, I, I was starting to tear up a little bit. It, it, it was genuinely moving. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, do you think you can see tears on Zoom? I mean, like, maybe if I sit a little bit further back, you won't, you won't catch on to the fact that, <laughs> that I'm getting a bit emotional here. You know, this is, this is his deep stuff that he's sharing with me. I'll tell you why I was starting particularly to tear up in a moment. But I said to him, you know, what, what was going on spiritually whilst this was happening? Because this went on for several years. And he's a young man at the time. And he said to me, Clive, do you know, I, I was out walking one day and I knew for sure that the Lord was teaching me about his grace. That he was assuring me that he loves me no matter how low I am going because I've put my trust in him. Not that he or I were happy with how things were sort of in the family at the time or, or how much I was struggling, but that he was, he was deeply compassionate towards me, that he understood that his, his mercy was, was on me and always would be. And that actually, I didn't need to earn his love. It was something that he'd given to me and that he was never going to take away and that he was right there with me in it. And he put that better than I just have. And, uh, and by this point, you know, I, I, I've got these tears running down my, my cheeks and I don't think either of us really care whether we can see or not. <laughs> And um, the reason that I was so moved by this is that although the details are different, what my friend was saying to me was that grace has been his story. That he found that when he was at his worst, Christ was at his kindest. When he was at his worst, what he experienced, what he found to be a reality, was that Christ was at his kindness. That he'd been crowned with strong love, with steadfast love. And I think it says in, in the uh, NKJV, with, with tender mercy, isn't that lovely? With, with tender mercy. And he couldn't lose that. He couldn't step out of it. Thank God. Grace was his story. And that has been my story too. And as he, as he just 
opened up to me. And isn't it so powerful when someone is willing to do that and to share from the heart openly when, when it gets real, you know? And I shared a little bit with him. And we said, yeah, thank God. Thank God that that is what he's like, that he's full of grace, that, he, that, that God overflows with kindness and compassion. But that is what Jesus is like. Thank, thank him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless him. Um, because this is, this is who he is. I was visiting um, a, a, another church recently, and they've written a song that has just that title, Grace Has Been Our Story. And there's a line in it that says, you carried us when everything was stripped away. You carried us when everything was stripped away. And God wants you to know this morning, and I know that because it says it here in Psalm 103, he wants you to know that no matter what you might be going through at the moment, as you keep trusting Christ, because that is all that you need to do, he's going to carry you through. Whatever might have happened, Whatever might have happened in the past, Christ's grace is bigger. Christ's power to carry you through is bigger. His love will always come through for you. It is stronger than your frailties and your failures and your sins. He is not, verse 10, going to deal with you according to your sin. How wonderful is that? God does not deal with you according to your sin. Isn't that what you and I need to hear? So that we can enter into his presence with joy and with worship, blessing him in the way that David is doing here in verses 1 to 5. If you're tempted this morning to think because of something in the past, that God is going to deal with you according to your sin. But you've put your trust in Christ. And he says to you, no, I do not deal with you on the basis of your sin. I do not repay you according to your iniquity. I don't. The devil would like us to believe that he does, but he doesn't. He says so here, I do not repay you according to your guilt or your iniquity. Why? Because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great, so strong is his steadfast love, his loving kindness towards you. As high as the heavens are above the earth. Well, if you go out tonight and it's a clear evening and you look up at the stars, it just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? As high as the heavens are above the earth, there's no limit. His love for you is infinite. It's huge. It's vast. It's beyond what you can imagine. It is the best love in the world. You can never get to the depths of it. You can never plummet. You can never exhaust it. You can never rely on it too much. He loves you. He loves you because he loves you. As far 
as the horizon on the east, I've no idea which way that is, is from the west, as I stand in this building, I mean, as far as the horizon on the east is, from the horizon on the west, so far has he removed your sin from you. He's thrown it into the ocean. You know, I live um, 200 yards from the Bristol Channel. I know that when you look out, it looks like, you know, the, the, the ocean just goes on and on, or at least if you look in one direction from where I am. That is true of you this morning if your faith is in the Son of God. God relates to you on the basis that Christ has taken all of your sin, each and every part of it, and he has taken it away from you and thrown it into the Bristol Channel so that its penalty has nothing to do with you and its power as well has nothing to do with you. You are not living under sin. You are living in Christ, crowned as a royal son or a royal daughter. And you you do not need to, to cringe or fear anything in that way. The kind of fear that we have of God, verse 13, is that that sweet filial fear. It's that that awed trust of the child who's looking up into the smiling face of of his or her father and knows that they're loved. As, as As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to you this morning. You know, um, my, my son really hates it when I talk about him when I'm preaching, so I'm not going to do it for very long. But, um, you know, when, when he kind of stumbles or he's, he's growing in something, as we, we all need to do, whether we're young or old, um, you know, or when he gets something a bit wrong, or maybe when he gets something very wrong, doesn't alter my love towards him. I love him because I love him. He's he's my son. And it's the same between you and God. He loves you because he loves you. You're his son or his daughter. You're part of the royal family. Wherever you were born on this planet, you are part of the royal family. You belong to him. You're a son or daughter of the living God. You're secure in his love. You're crowned with that steadfast love and his constant mercy and grace. towards you. He, uh, he knows you. He knows you through and through. He knows what you're struggling with today and he loves you. He loves you from everlasting to everlasting and that is not going to change. <clears throat> and that is something that you can rest in, secure. And we need that in a world like this, don't we? you've never stepped into this love of Christ, let me encourage you again to step into it now just by putting your trust in him as he opens his arms towards you. Step into this love of Christ that you can never lose.
and that is going to bring you home. Thirdly, third heading, singing in adversity. Singing in adversity. We've had a personal God, personal praise, firstly. Secondly, strong love, that steadfast love that crowns you. And thirdly, uh, singing in adversity. <clears throat> We've said already, haven't we, that this, this psalm begins with worship and it ends with worship. It begins with, with responding to the love of God, loving him back, and it ends the same way. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion, which is everywhere. The psalmist has just told us that. Bless the Lord all that is within me. Bless him. Bless his holy name. Bless him for who he is. It's a, a psalm that is all about worship in response to the love of God. And it's interesting where it comes in the Psalter. Funny word that, isn't it? Psalter. It's just a sort of fancy word meaning all 150 of the Psalms. And uh, the the Psalter is, is split into books, collections of psalms, and there are five of them. And I have to say, I never knew that before I went to Bible college. But as you, as you look, that, that, that's true. And um, it's, it's a sort of deliberate structure. And Psalm 103 here is in the fourth book. And in a sense, it's, it's quite surprising that it's there. Because at the end of book three of the Psalms, the last, the last Psalm in book three is Psalm 89, the, the temple and Jerusalem are in ruins. The people are being carried off into exile. And the psalmist says in verse 49 of Psalm 89, God, where is your loyal love, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? Because, you know, there's the fact of exile and the temple is in ruins and the city's wrecked. What's going on? And so that's the end of book three, the fact of exile. And then book four from Psalm 90 on, and we're in book four here with Psalm 103, is facing this fact of exile, and it's long after David's time. So, so what is Psalm 103 doing here? Because Positioned where it is in book four, because Psalm 103 is a psalm of David, for a start. It's a psalm that's singing all about God's faithful love for David, isn't it? It's a psalm that's singing about God's covenant love. It's singing, ultimately, about... God's faithfulness to those covenant promises to David through the son of David, Jesus. So it's a, it's a psalm that gives hope because of the strong love of God for you facing the fact of exile. It's a song that's singing in suffering. It's a song that's singing in adversity. It is, if you like, worship in the wilderness. Not literal wilderness, 
probably, but metaphorical wilderness. Did you notice verses 14 um, to, to 16 is talking about uh, the, the final exile to be overcome, which is death itself. This is singing by David, facing the fact of exile, facing the fact of a biological death itself. This is, this is, this is worship, even though the going is hard. You know, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. Uh, the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. But, but the love of God, but the love of Christ, but the, the steadfast love, the hesed, it says in verse 17, and the mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting on those who know him and fear him, on those who have trusted him, on those who put their hope in this, this strong love of his. This is, this is David singing in suffering, singing in adversity. And I want to say to us this morning that this is the kind of worship that leads out. This is the kind of worship that has light breaking into the darkness. This is the kind of worship that has streams of living water flowing in. When I'm, um, when I'm struggling with something, uh, my wife, she's, um, we've been married now just over 25 years, and uh, she's put up with me all that time, and uh, she, she knows me pretty well, and when I'm really struggling with something, she'll say, Clive, you need to carve out some space to meet with the Lord and to worship. You need to carve out some space to meet personally with him again and to be refreshed and restored. You know, you need to remember, she's pretty direct sometimes, <laughs> in a good way. You need to remember that he's crowned you, that you belong to him, that there's no barrier between you and him, that you can, she doesn't always say all of this, that you can, you can come right into his presence that you can sing to him. You can rejoice in his love. I don't know about you, but, but as a Christian, it, it took me a while to get something. It, it, you know, I'd, I'd heard an awful lot about God's love for me, which comes first and is the foundation and is the most wonderful thing in the universe as we've been um, seeing in Psalm 103 this morning. It took me a while to realize that God was inviting me to love him back. You know, I, I would think, what, me? You? you? I'm free to do that. And, and it, you know, for a long time, I, I, I sort of think, no, that, that can't be. But, but love is personal, isn't it? 
What, what kind of love doesn't, doesn't want to be loved back? Enjoy. What is the heart of worship? Isn't it, to, isn't it to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, strength, soul, with everything you've got? Isn't it, verse 1 here, to bless him, all that's within me, all that's within us, to love him back? And, and it, it's this kind of worship that we see here in Psalm 103. It's this kind of worship that, that leads out, that has light breaking in. It's funny, isn't it? Because when we're, when we're really struggling, you know, or when we've really messed up, we, we tend to walk in the opposite direction. You know, we, we think, oh, God won't really want to hear from me today. You know, I've had a pretty bad month. I, um, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I can draw near to him. And then the enemy sort of capitalizes on that. And we, you know, worship becomes something that we're, we're not so eager to enter into. And, and God says to you this morning, I don't deal with you according to your sin. Come and tell me about it. Be open about it. Acknowledge it to me. Draw near to me. And I'll draw near to you. This is the kind of worship that has light breaking in. Can I encourage you this morning? If it's feeling gloomy, if it's feeling hard going, if the Lord is feeling a bit distant, can I encourage you to, to carve out space and maybe to use some of the words of this psalm and to just, just remember that because you're trusting in Jesus, he settled his love upon you. You can't lose it. You can't step outside of it. That, that crown is there. Isn't that amazing? Imagine that when you're praying. I'm crowned by the one I'm praying to. That gives you confidence, doesn't it? That helps you to lift your head up. Assuming the crown's... Yeah, that helps you to lift your head up. He wants to hear from you. If I'm really struggling, and my wife says this to me, I'll go, um, oh no, you know, I, I, I won't be able to get in the zone. Um, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's not the right time. Uh, you know, lots of excuses. And, uh, you know, then she'll know she really needs to encourage me to, to, to carve out that space, to really meet with God. What a wonderful thing that we can do that in the privacy of our office, you know, with the door shut or, or some room in our house or wherever it is or sitting on a, a bench in the park, we can worship. We can, we can know ourselves in the love of God himself and love him back with everything that we've got. And that is a joy. And it has light breaking in and it has life flowing in. Brothers and sisters, he has, he has crowned you with mercy, with hesed, with, with steadfast love, and with deep, deep compassion. And that is the air that you breathe. That is his settled attitude towards you. You are his, his sons and his daughters. Um, Lord, bless you. O oh, my soul, all that is within me, 
Uh, bless him for who he is. Bless his holy name. We're going to sing together. And does the number... Yeah, here is love, vast as the ocean, number 210. Let's worship together. together. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.